You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Oh, yeah, what's this? I feel this. Oh, yeah, this is stuff. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Lamb Goat presents. The Van Flip Podcast. What is up? Welcome to the Van Flip Podcast. Obviously, Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Today we have another special in-person, well, we're back to in-person podcast. Uh, someone who I've watched most of my adult life at this particular point for 20, 25 years. The frontman for one of my favorite all-time bands, Daryl Palumbo. Welcome to the show, brother. Hi. Hi. Thanks. Right before this, we were already engaged in conversation. Um, the good stuff. Already yeah, started. yeah, yeah. He, uh, Daryl, obviously lives in Florida now for the last couple of years, and I had asked you. I if don't you live in Florida. I live in Miami. Yeah, it's the same, dude. <laughs> it's not, but it is the same. I feel you. No, yeah. it's it's, it's a different the same. country. It's, it's the same. Country. I like to, I say silly shit like that. But, oh, I've lived here long enough to know. Yeah, I want to get into that, but beforehand, before that, uh, you know, I'd mentioned, I'd asked if you had run into Frank. Because Frank from Hate Breed is yeah. all is also a uh, Florida boy these days, and uh, you were gonna tell me a story about integrity or whatnot. Oh, I just I love integrity. Yeah, uh, I was saying I love Frank. I love everybody in Hate Breed. I love Jamie, and Frank is Frank is my man. Uh, my uh, my brother Sean Martin from Hate Breed. Um, he's that's he's incredibly close with Frank. Frank Three Gun. Frank <laughs> Florida Frank, and uh, yeah, we just all loved. You know, integrity. He loves Frank. I just hear so many amazing stories. He's Frank's an amazing dad. Yeah. Uh, Disney I th- lover. Yeah, I think the Disney dad. Yeah, Disney Rays, dad. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I love that dude. Yeah. I love I love Hate Breed. I love those dudes. I love the core. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you've been, you migrated south. And yeah. I didn't realize how long you've been here, but. Five, five-ish? Yeah, but you rode the pandy out here. I did. Yeah. I did. I, I, and I know you, I, you I have, like, did. New York you know connections so i'm sure that was a little weird for you i've tried to sever (laughs) (laughs) i mean i don't leave there for a reason you know i don't there's not much there for me in any way um i mean one of my best friends my you know my partner he he oh my two my two partners my two musical my two musical partners in my life yeah my main musical gentleman they both live there and uh and my mother so that's yeah you gotta always kind of like keep that yeah, I'm really I'm very close over. with my mother. I'm very close. You're not trying yeah. to move her down? I've been trying to move her down since the, since before I even moved. Yeah. Do you have a kid you now? Know, kids I do. Grandma. I do. No, he, it's obsessive. They're obsessed with each other. It's just it sucks that uh, 
you know, it's shitty. She's a couple hours away. She's yeah. an older uh, Italian lady. It's and we're very, very close. We've always been wildly close. Me and my mother and father. And it's she's just she's alone in New York. I don't like that. Oh know, yeah, so. yeah. Um, what made you come down? I mean, I, mean, I know you're a fan of Miami and stuff I just like love that. Miami. I just love it. I love yeah. I love the atmosphere. I love the architecture. I love the the temperature. <laughs> I don't. It I is ju- rather I hot. Strong. It's very hot. I enjoy that. I like the heat. I don't like dry heat. I like this sort of heat. Sort of walk around naked in the mall. Yeah. Everybody's in bikinis. Yeah. It's a good vibe. Everyone's a little women. wet. Everyone's a little wet. Soaked. Scantily I'll, clad. Very wet. Yeah. Soaking wet. Every I'm sure every people from up north like yourself probably yeah. perspirate a little bit more than, like, I, I feel like I do a lot, but I was also born in Florida and raised here. So. I'm not the sweatiest dude. And I'm Italian, too. So it's usually <laughs> like you'd expect that I'm just like this drenched, furry uh, mess. I'm not, it, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't even think about the heat too, too much. I just love it. It's like the first thing that when you, Miami, oh, it's wild, hot. Cuban it's food, like, yeah. Scarface. Yeah, oh, heat. nonstop Cuban. I live a very Cuban life. Yeah? Yes. Well, I have to get Many people, most people in my immediate life are Cuban. I'll have to get your uh, address and not, call well, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that <laughs> for sure, if you're willing. But where to uh, get a good Cuban from, your recommendation for a good Cuban. Oh, yeah. No, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll tell you this. Before I leave, I'll have you talk to somebody in my <laughs> life. Everybody in my life is Cuban. Oh, okay. I'll say that Good. here. Uh, like, very Cuban. The, so well, I've got a heavy, crash heavy population course. here, too. Yeah. Well, I, I do know I do know <laughs> that. But, I've ne- I mean, despite it being a heavy population, I didn't know how much I would integrate into the, com- the Cuban uh, community, the Cuban mindset. Yeah. And uh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing in New York that was not... That was not something I got to learn about. Not a lot of really. I, it's not, I mean, it feels like it's diverse. Well, New York, of course. There's yeah. every single. There's all the animals that went on the Arker in New York. We're all there, <laughs> but yeah, but it's different. It's different. It's always uh, yeah. It's different. Uh, d- not C- Cuban isn't the most frequent. My t- my tribe is a frequent <laughs> tribe. There's a lot <laughs> of Italians. He's migrated. Yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah. So you live in South Florida, but like. You know, one thing that we all know as Glassjaw fans, for the most part, is you guys don't like to play here a hell of a lot. We Orlando, for the most part. Not that we don't like to. No, I, I always say that some of the best shows I've ever played were always at the Fillmore. Is that the Jackie Gleason here in Miami? Mm-hmm. That's like, I mean, that's like the most beautiful theater I think I've played in America, probably. <laughs> and every time I played it, though, I, we don't headline it. We're we're a hardcore band. We don't headline those places. We open up for larger bands that we don't sound like, and those bands are kind enough to take us, help us pay bills, and uh, when we play the Fillmore, it's off the fucking meter. Yeah. yeah. Unreal. That's a beautiful place. That's part of why I wanted to move here, too. I, there was a string of times I think we were coming back, playing here, and I just was more and more just being here, loving it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I love it. Yeah, but no, you said, where, where do we used to play? Uh, I mean, Orlando and Tampa uh, for the most part. But what's like, the play? Everyone mentions it around here. Like, when I meet people my age, they're like, yeah, we used to go see this band, and they would play like it. What city? I forget. The Social, Back Booth, The Orpheum, uh, the Ritz and Ebor. Uh, well, I don't know. I'm forgetting. Well, yeah, Everybody well. talks about it, like, right here. <laughs> like, it's just here. And they're like, yeah, Fort Lauderdale. It's in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, yeah, I forgot. We're not. The main spot in Fort Lauderdale, I think, that every band ever. Revolution? Or Culture Culture Room. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we played there, like, a million times back in the day. It was, like, Earth did Crisis ever, shows. And did shows. you guys ever play? And uh, obviously, I'm fucking grasping here if you you know we're talking about culture room i don't think it's there anymore i don't think no. it's a venue anymore. no no oh bummer i could be wrong but don't 
come at me. Good memories. Yeah. I remember it was a mosh, mosh mania in the yeah, 90s yeah, yeah, yeah. or some shit. Did you ever play with a band, and I should probably know this because they're friends of mine, but uh, really like in between new metal and core band like Simple Kill? I don't know if you ever remember that. Uh, no. Anyway. I don't think so. He was a big fan oh, of cool. you as well, but uh, heavily influenced by you. And you asked why I'm here this weekend. Oddly enough, his, he passed away two months ago before my birthday. But uh, uh, sorry, yeah, it's okay. Thank so you, sorry, man. Uh, R.I.P. Panjo Benjamin. Um, but yeah, his memorial's tomorrow after uh, everyone's getting in town. So sorry. I'll be there up there for that. But yeah, um, just because you brought up Colts Room, he always used to play there in his band. So I was curious. But um, that is a great spot. Yeah, I do have to give you props because when you played Jacksonville last time, it was like a very small venue. I think it was. Uh, yeah, but Coheed and Cambrio tour off date. Yeah, okay. like seven, eight years ago or cool, nine. Cool, years yeah. Ago. Well, well, that's where we did the Fillmore as well. So it must have been the oh, day cool. before or after. I'm sure. Yeah, tiny, tiny oh, cool. room. I don't remember the room. Rabbit Jack Rabbits is what it was called. I remember that name? Yeah. Small, and I remember because again, I feel like Glassjaw is way up here and like one of the best bands of all time. I was like, oh, oh the turnout's thanks. not that big, which was great because I was like, cool, I finally get to see like an intimate show because I've seen you guys play like. All around Florida. I've flown to fucking New York a couple times to see you guys. In our older life, I feel like we don't really headline around Florida much. So I feel like those shows are n- were never that amazing. I mean, the c- Culture Room shows, I keep wanting to say Culture Club. <laughs> uh, yeah, when we played with Boy George. No, but the Culture Room shows were, I remember them being like fucking dope at the time. I was a, 20 years ago and plus, yeah. but... I don't think that they were a thousand people at them by any stretch mm. of the imagination. I think they were probably small hardcore shows. Yeah. I don't think we've ever done particularly amazing here, but I always loved. I seem to always enjoy it. It's yeah. weird because I mean, a lot of my friends who I met early on in my like you know late teens, early twenties, we all kind of gathered around being fans of Glassjaw. So it's weird that you'd say that because like obviously most of those people lived in Orlando too, mm-hmm. so you would. You guys would play there a little more often. And were you coming up in hard, hardcore a yeah, little yeah. bit? I think that a lot Most of... Most of these guys were new metal kids, and they were like... I do think that... They, well, I think that there was that. I do think that new metal definitely worked in Florida. <laughs> I think in the South, maybe new metal worked. If we you like know, a you little know, bit you, of, you know, you riffage of, and, and some rapage. Yeah, that's been known to happen. A little couple of dreads. <laughs> um, I think that it did work in the South. I think it did work very well in Florida, and I think that that... Being on Roadrunner, such an atrocious experience at that time. I think that that all may have made Floridians be like, cool. And we had short hair and didn't dress like fucking, you know, metalheads. So yeah. I think that, like, okay, they, it kind of all made sense. Plus, there was this connection because we knew. Hey, what's up? It's Lurk. Looks like you're enjoying the podcast. If you are and you like what we're doing here on the Van Flip, why don't you go ahead and pause this and give us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to. If you want to find out any information on your favorite bands from the hardcore and metal scene, visit lambgoat.com. And to stay in the loop about everything that we post on lambgoat.com, make sure you like us on Facebook and you head over to Twitter and Instagram and follow us at lambgoat. Are you a full-grown adult and you also have a TikTok account? Congrats. Follow us on TikTok as well. You can find us under the username lambgoat.com. That's spelled out D-O-T-C-O-M. Head over to our YouTube channel where we have all of these podcasts in video format plus a lot more content that you should check out. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and you hit that notification bell so you're always alerted when we upload new content. And last but not least, if you want to follow me, Lurk, the host of the show, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at LurkCity. And as always, if you need any of the links that pertain to the artists on the show today, Lamgoat, 
or myself, you can always find them in the description. Thanks for listening to this message. Now let's get back to the show. Very long ago, guys in the band Newfound Glory. I mean, I don't know them anymore. Yeah. It's been a million years. But, like, we knew those dudes. We knew Chad. The, the, he plays guitar, right? Chad, Chad Gilbert. And he was in Shai Hulud, mm-hmm. where he was the singer. Brutal. When he was a little-ass boy, he yeah. was a brutal like a singer. Kid or something like that. Wildly intense, yeah. amazing frontman for that hardcore band when he was a kid. But two of the dudes at Glass Show, well, Justin, my partner, my oldest friend, and Todd, who was in Glastra, they were Sons of Abraham. Mm-hmm. And that was a very, like, they were playing this sort of, like, the political, wildly intense, metal, hardcore mm-hmm. thing at that time. And I think there was a lot of that in Florida. Gainesville, right? Yeah. Was that, like, Morning Again? There were all yeah, these yeah. bands. It's like a college, like a smaller college Very much, yeah, yeah. a lot and, of, like, and, youth is And there. that all really took off i think i think that the sons abraham shit definitely helped with hardcore kids knowing glass down here us being friends with newfound glory at the time which was a million years ago but they took us on tour multiple times back then i think just because they knew us from hardcore and Mm -hmm. chad was a very hardcore guy he he probably still is i don't know so i think there was that connection i despite that i don't think we ever did terribly well but there was always this hardcore thing yeah we toured here with fucking one king down and yeah. shelter yeah there was like we definitely used to come down here and they weren't terribly big but they were i remember some of them being bloodbaths you know yeah and at the time that's more what mattered than, yeah. than the people being there right 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 yeah see how crazy the horseshoe gets or something like that it's, you know what i mean it gets crazy there was some things that involved arrests right. that i'm remembering justin recently told the story it's uh, <laughs> yeah florida gets nuts with us i have to ask what is the allure? Do you th- you've been you've been doing this now this project for like thirty years coming up on the thirty year anniversary? Go to a show. There's none here in Florida, but you can get one in what California, New York. All right, sad days, sad days. But uh, what is the allure now that you're looking back for like fans to be? Because it's like I'm a part of it, so it's okay to call it this. But it's like a cult, you know what I mean? And I'm sure this isn't the first time you've heard that. I'm sure it's come up a, a lot, but like. For a band that hasn't been super active in 20 years, off and on, for whatever reason or not, you guys seem to have this insanely rabid cult-like fan base that is willing to look at your website on a daily basis almost just to see if something's changed. Because if something does change, fucking the internet breaks almost and like a glass jaw Reddit or the Twitter first, you know, and they're just asking questions about what does it mean? And it's always, you know, like... Some kind of like hidden message type thing, but what do you think it is that keeps the fan base just like insane for the song? I mean, the type of you know, I think the type of answer that you would want to hear is that it's, you know, it's very orchestrated, and we yeah. we think very consciously, of, we're very conscious of that, and we ride that sort of thing. Realistically, that's not the answer. The answer <laughs> is, I think, at a certain point, we stop, I, and I don't mean this in like a weird way. I think we stop trying. You stop forcing things in a lot of ways and you also get older and you also sort of feel like it's a lot of moves that bands make or younger people make or artists make and they feel unsavory so you kind of shave off those moves mm-hmm. you know like we're, i wouldn't say that Justin and i are self-conscious i'm not a self-conscious person in life by any stretch of the imagination so there's a there's this sort of but there is this conscious self-consciousness that i guess him and i have that we're just really realistic like we're just sort of like cut all the nonsense out and also 
after so many years, maybe 15 you know, years ago, maybe 15 years ago, after doing it for so many years, you kind of just streamline the entire process while also getting old enough to where you're not jaded and it's not so magical to where every moment is like, you know, photo shoots and vomiting exuberance and all these things. I think that's a very youthful thing that you see in recording artists or in any artist. And I think at a certain point that went away for us and we did get older. And I, and I think that we streamlined a lot of the processes and a lot of the, the mechanics that you would use to, make a record come out announce a show put out shit you know and I think slowing down and kind of maybe focusing a little bit and stop trying and pushing and non-stop touring and I don't I don't need I don't like having my photo taken I don't <laughs> like doing you know interviews on camera I didn't yeah, even yeah, know yeah. this was going to be on fucking camera you know I don't do that and neither does Justin we're just like regular yeah regular ass fucking New York cats you know yeah. so I think that is the complete answer. Yeah. I think, did you ever like, not even point, trying, it yeah. just happens. And did I think you ever, that, like at some point, did you ever start like kind of leaning into that? I mean, like, we not, lean into, it, it does, I, it I lean into it in my it. life all the time. I lean into, if I present something, I like to present it. Not so on the fucking nose. I mean, yeah. it's not like, I'm not saying anything that an artist that keeps his head out of his ass wouldn't do. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to present every fucking thing like on a platter or like so on the nose that it's just like, it's trash. I, I think that that all you have to do is just look at it like that. Perhaps not a lot of people do look at it like that. So I think we may appear as cryptic and elusive and very pretentious. I, a lot of it is also just like not partaking in this a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it really is just that. And then sort of like this element of flying by the seat of our pants. You know, Justin and I have been the label way more than we haven't been our label. Right. We've been our manager way more than we haven't been the manager. There was only labels and management and other factors this much of the time. Yeah, I mean, and it was terrible. Yeah. And it was never good. It was very horrible. Historically bad. <laughs> but it was always us doing it. So there was never these ancillary factors prodding, poking, forcing. And I think that just us being us... Like, our temperament is like, nah, that's fucking gross, we're not doing it. And that there's just <laughs> enough of that piles up over the years that, yeah, I guess we lean into being us. Yeah. Lean, what, yes, we do lean into it. We're not consciously leaning into, like, feed people breadcrumbs, be obnoxious, be pretentious, make money. Yeah. I, that's not, I've never thought like that for five seconds in my life. I think it does help, though. But also have style uh, when you do this. Yeah, yeah. Have style. Does it mean that there's a little bit of, you know, this cryptic, you know, in the whole experience? Yes, obviously. I'm, I don't try to deliver things like a fucking clown you know that's yeah. not what i'm trying to it's not what justin's trying to do yeah. so yeah this, yes we're conscious of it but at the same time i think a lot of it is that's us you know you don't see us that's because we're not the type of guys that feel you have to see us all yeah. the time yeah i will say that uh it does i think it does feed into the uh the, the allure of, of it of course you guys it not, does like i know it social, does yeah, you're not social media uh, guys if, if you're asking if i know that yeah. it does yes i'm, I'm, hi- I'm that you, highly aware to it, yeah. i'm aware but i'm also not like running like it point. red to be a right. fucking jerk. Like yeah. I, it's, just, it's just it. It's it. I think it also harmed Justin and I's, uh, you know, the pipeline to our people in a, in a few ways too. It's just it is what it is. It's out. It's us. And then I think for me and my own non glass jaw things, I think being that way may have harmed me too. I feel sometimes I look back and I'm like, I've kind of just been like thinking for thirty years. Yeah. Like sometimes I feel like. What did I really? I didn't really do a lot. You parallel my age to like the age of my heroes. I'm like, 
all right, these dudes were walking on fucking water by the yeah. time that I was, you know, yeah. I'm like 100 years old already. So I feel like, you know, I don't know. I don't know, it's interesting. It's hard yeah. to, it's, you know, it is what it is. I think that the crypticness hurts uh, less than it helps, but sometimes it'll hurt, you know. And that being said, uh, Glassjaw website is down currently. Is there a reason as to why that is? Like, is there another? Sometimes it's up, sometimes <laughs> it's down. Maybe this thing's happening, you know? Yeah, hey, I don't know. That's it doesn't always try, have that's to what be. We're up. trying here to get. You yeah, maybe know? there's some stuff happening, you know? Hopefully, man. Maybe it has to come down for some new things to. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. You know, be integrated into. D- um, and do you have any plans of like expanding that 30 year anniversary tour, or is that just kind of what you're doing those the set dates in the end of we'll the December? We'll okay. see. Okay, we're piecing it out. Okay, these ones kind of fell together very quickly. Okay, it seemed like a really rad. Rad thing, yeah. I think it would be. Uh, it just sounded like it would be a lot of fun. The, the, the venues that were suggested and the s- simplicity of it, and it kind of coincides with the holidays in a really rad way. And I think we've done New, Year, New Year's maybe once or twice. Once with Hatebreed, <laughs> Florida Frank and Sean. Uh, yeah. yeah, we did one with Hatebreed one year. It was pretty maniacal. It was awesome. I th- yeah, just right off the bat, I thought the New Year's shit would be really cool in New York. I think that'll be wild. I, yeah, I definitely uh, probably had my finger on the click to buy tickets you, know you should mean? come I sh- i'll get yeah, you in obviously. you go i'll get you in yeah okay well no that's I easy the i got the hookup no you, i mean oh, you do that i will get you and whoever you need it and that's ah, clearly i can it. make that happen get now a plane ticket make, dude, you get a plane ticket you're going i'll put you on the list we're today. already going for the poison the well 20 year up there and that's like a month before but you're making it hard for me to say no all you need to pay for is the plane ticket and okay. your meals that's all right. it all right i'll all get you i'll give you my number you have it you're in okay we're you heard them give them my we're getting numbers. We're exchanging numbers and being besties now. Yes. Uh, I did ha- I did happen to go um, a few times to see a home show kind of for you guys much later on in your career. Uh, Nassau Coliseum with Rise Against and A Day to Remember. Yeah. That was interesting to see you guys up there. That was the first time I saw you up there. And the crowd was not your crowd. No. It was a more radio younger yeah, crowd because yeah. of A Day to Remember and Rise Against. Yeah, we played there twice. We played there twice, neither of which were <laughs> our crowd. We don't. Once again, those aren't the venues we headline. No, no. Of but to play it was really special because Nassau Coliseum, where we're from, that's from like five seconds from our homes, mm. and uh, that's like one of the three places you see anything at all. Oh yeah, coming up where we're from. You a hockey fan? I mean, no, I'm not a sports no. fan you at all, no, yeah. but. Growing up, yes, you're you're a fan of everyone. You know every New York team. I, I came up in '86. '86 Met, Mets was yeah, my yeah. literally my childhood. Oh man, I don't really know a Met. <laughs> I wouldn't know a fucking Met if I They're saw a rough time. Yeah, I'm. Sh- that's what I hear. I don't think. Yeah, a lot of my guys I don't think are really <laughs> killing it anymore. A little rough time. But yeah, I mean, at the time, yeah, the Islanders, and uh, I was probably almost every weekend at that Coliseum. That was like where everything was, like mm. all the big con. Every moment that changed my life was in that building. At the Jones Beach Amphitheater, five minutes away from NASA Coliseum, yeah. and then Madison Square Garden, a 45-minute train ride from that. Oh, yeah, where, cool. Yeah, so those are the three places that were everything. So we played that twice. I think once. I don't remember. Rise Again. Then another time. Then we played the. Then we played Madison Square Garden once. Oh, who'd think, you play that too. with? Coheed? Mm, I don't remember. Deftones, maybe? Maybe oh, Coheed. No. It was probably Coheed. Yeah, probably. If yeah, for us to be there, that was probably Coheed and Cambria. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the Worship and Tribute show too. After I guess the Warner Brothers contract kind of fell out, or is that what happened? Like yeah, yeah. it ended, and you guys threw the party at yeah, yeah. 
That was a cool show. I went to both the midnight and the eight o'clock. Yeah, then oh yeah, those are great. Yeah, those are really great. That's almost ten years ago. I don't remember much of it because you know I was stoked and having a couple of beers. I was not sober <laughs> probably either. There's not a chance I was. If the show was good, then don't yeah, know it was fucking good. I remember I was like, I'm gonna stand on the side for this, for this, and then like. Of course, the music starts. I'm like, ah, fuck it. Oh, I was not. In the I, middle, yeah. I, I think I went fucking into the audience. Yeah. Like, the second night, nuts. I definitely was like balcony. We paid for VIP balcony and just had like front, you know, front balcony view. Yeah. It was maybe, it was a little bit better because I was probably a little sore from the night before. You know? Oh yeah, so. that's great. It was at Irving Plaza, right? Yeah, yeah, Irving. It was a good show. Great show. I always wanted to play there. That you have to like walk up. It's New York, so everywhere's probably upstairs. But the venue is the floor is upstairs. Yeah. I'm like yeah. looking around. There's like so many people here. I'm like, this is fucking. Sketch. That's a classic spot. We always dreamed of playing there. It's not exactly the hardest place to play, but we always sort of dreamt of it. There was always just sort of like, it was just small enough that a lot of dope, really cool bands in our time did get to play there. Even like hardcore bands opening yeah. for bigger hardcore bands. You could have hardcore shows still at Irving if you had enough powerhouses on it. So we were always just like, ah, oh, let's play Irving, and we did. Those those were two amazing shows. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Warner Brothers, I want to get into like how much you dislike being on a record label in general. Uh, and I know that like you grew up listening to a lot of Roadrunner bands, and so I know you didn't really think that you would ever be on Roadrunner per se, but what was the, like, I mean, I know you did stuff with, Ross was the producer of that record in Worship and Tribute. Why did, why did you, you, why did you use Ross for both records and not Roadrunner the second time? Was it just because the offer from Warner Brothers came through and it was like un- you couldn't turn it down kind of thing? And uh, It's all hazy at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's so many years ago. It's just like literally, I, you know, some people remember some, I remember a lot, but some details are just like the shit that just blends together is just like chat between 50-year-old men in a room as if you're not even in the fucking room. <laughs> Why? This, I don't know. Roadrunner, the first record, we didn't even want to sign to Roadrunner. We had no intention to. The label was at no point in that era anything that we wanted to align ourselves with. Which is weird because I was like, that was when I started getting we, into Roadrunner. Well, we I grew up on Roadrunner. No, I know. Roadrunner like ended metal, for me, you know. Well, that was it. Like that metal was that's that's a juggernaut. That label at that yeah, point, for sure, it was everything. Like every fucking important death metal record coming out of Florida, like ten years, coming, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the shit. And so being talked to. By Roadrunner was like, oh, this is pretty crazy. But like knowing it's not a major label, and if we were going to sign to something, at the time it was like, is Roadrunner even the fucking answer? What do they even do? Like what? I, Nickelback a Slipknot at that time. Literally, that was Slipknot that. record wasn't out. It like it was all happening at the same time, and Nickelback just finished their record, or, and it was just coming out. So they were just becoming the biggest band in the world, or something, when <laughs> we just put the record out. Yeah. It was like all at the same moment. Yeah. But I, it was because of Ross that we were signed to Roadrunner. He was signed to Roadrunner. Interesting. It had not. It didn't have anything to do with us. But it was in order to work with him, which seemed very, it seemed like a big, uh, you know, a big opportunity. And he was into heavy music that was very emotive, right. and I, he was, seemed very passionate. So. He did another. He did another one of my favorite bands' albums too. Limp Biscuit, obviously being from. The, you know, 904. Oh, I, yeah. I, I know he did deep, it. I know. feel like I don't even know the music he did for them. I'm sure there was a hit somewhere in there. But which, which albums was he on? I know it was $3 Bill. What other albums was Ross on? Was it Significant, Significant Other and Chocolate? Yeah, I think the first one. So like Counterfeit. I don't Fame. know much about Limp Bizkit. I know okay. a little bit more about Integrity. 
<laughs> a little bit. I know a little bit you're more about that. You grew up a lot cooler than I did, no, by no, all means. No, you know no, I mean? no there was no I growing up cool. I just, Limp Bizkit, it was, I was, it was way later. The first time I ever heard that fucking band, I was with a friend that. <laughs> How old were you? Was it around the time they're coming out? Or? 20. Well, I feel like I already was signing with Ross Robinson. Like it was happening that summer. And at that concert, I think it might have been a warp tour or something, way after I was the age to go to one. For some yeah. reason, I think I was at one with a friend, and it was not. Is that the one they're playing the toilet bowl? The toilet? I f- maybe. It was giant. He had like a bucket hat. It was like giant stage setup, yeah, and they were the just toilet. blowing up. Yeah. And this was like right at the beginning, and this was the summer where we were speaking to Ross, and I remember already knowing that was the correlation and being like, I gotta see this shit. And just from like in an audience, it felt like 80,000 people, some festival, probably warm tour. I don't fucking know. And watching it being like, this is wild. Yeah. Were like, you on Ozfest you know. earlier on? I know you were, but yeah. like in the yeah. late nineties, were you in there? Not in the nineties. I, I think I did. You I were. think we did it maybe twice oh, or once and a half times, twice, maybe <laughs> once uh, and one half a time, 2002, maybe yeah. 2002. I don't know who was on it when Definitely I was on that it. One. Everyone looks the same. Down. Everyone looked really tough. Lost Profits was also on that one. Yeah, don't, Lost Profits was on that. that. Hey. Apex Theory. I don't know if you're a big fan of them. Apex Theory. Don't remember the music. They were very cool dudes. Really cool dudes. Yeah, yeah we hung with them. Just Armenian. The Armenian Armenian squad. There was yeah, a whole yeah. squad of them we got to know. Well, they Great were dudes. Also, great dudes. They had a connection with System of Down. Yeah, I think totally. the singer was the ex-drummer before yeah. they got big. Yeah, yeah. Know, no, they were great dudes. They were really great dudes. I still listen to that band almost... Weekly, monthly. One of the Jews sure. had half a beard. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Bass pl- guitar, bass player. Yeah, it was that he time was when new metal like, guys were like trying to fucking look cool. Like, uh, shaved yeah. one eyebrow. Yeah. Yeah. Got spikes on it, like Mudvayne doing the spikes. My the old man would have slapped fire and flames yeah. out of me. Man, oh man. Uh, God, I, was, I have so many things to ask you. Now I'm trying to like reel it in, but... Uh, I want to ask you about Pucal Pop, but that's, like, later on. Because I think you guys played, like, fucking first band. I'm vaguely remembering which one it was, but I remember liking it, but probably great, no one watched. I yeah, think there's a, great, a very amazing video. Yeah, it's a pro shot video. I, it, it is, right? And yeah, I think, for sure. Yeah, I have my hair looked all nice. And then they turn, and then I think you see the audience. And, and I was like, like, what the fuck is going on? Did they open the gates? We never played a people. I mean, it's just like you... Like you said, you think Glastro has this sort of thing around it. You come with us, come with us. Yeah. There's a lot of times this is just you. Yeah. Just me. It'd be perfect for me. A lot of times it's just me It'd and the guys. It'd be perfect for me, man. I'm it telling you, there's festivals, you'll be fucking surprised. Oh, man. Let's show up. Ozfest was like 8 a.m. every day. Really? Yeah. Like That's not. weird, though, because Ozfest was like a one-day situation, like Warped Tour, and they would start cranking it at like... In the morning. It was a fucking thousand bands, yeah. man. I mean, it was how many stages? Two, three. There's probably a million stages I didn't even know about. Nobody, all the women had Confederate flags on their breasts, painted on them. It's a wild experience. That's crazy for 9 a.m. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. And depending on what part of the country you're in, it gets a little more crazy or tame. But that's the thing about Ozfest is it kind of takes that part of the country with it everywhere it goes. Oh, Ozfest for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was thinking of Warp Tour. Warp Tour takes a vibe, a certain part of there the country's vibe. It carries stra- that vibe. There are some people that straddle, 100%. Yeah, there's that vibe comes with you know, Warp Tour, definitely. There's a sock up to the knee, like flipped <laughs> brim hat, like thing. That, that vibe is there, yeah. They got some L.A. looks, gel spikes with the hair just not all kind of cohesive, just kind of all over the place in a that, spike. That good eye makeup. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, um, 
Yeah, we cover a lot of those kind of like mainstreamer, Danny Wilmer kind of type festivals, like Rockville, Louder Than Life. Oh, you say what's that microphone? I don't even know what those things are. We gotta get you in fucking contact with some people, dude. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's play these things. You need a manager. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. All right. Uh, not me, but I'm saying maybe I can give you some pipeline access. But uh, yeah, they're just, they're like the bigger festival right now, like the big mainstream rock festival that all like Foo Fighters, Slipknot. Yeah, uh, cool. Motley Crue is Kiss. All those Motley bands Crue, headlined. That has you know my mean? name written all over it. But they have stages that like showcase our little world a little bit. You'll have okay, like okay. metalcore. Uh, Dillinger's played it a couple times before they you know broke up or disbanded or stopped, whatever you want to call yep. it. Um, a lot of bands have played it, and a lot of bands, like Knock Loose is a big band that plays that, and they're kind yeah, of moving their awesome. way up. Yeah, yeah they're great, and uh, they're moving their way up the billing, obviously. So they're kind of playing a little later these days, but. There, it's like a four-day festival in Jack, or not Jacksonville now, but Daytona, and it's basically like you're closest to European. I'm a resident. Download. I'm a resident. We'll get it hooked up. I they guess. don't have we'll, a resident we'll, on there. We'll Let's get us in, on. Let's get. Do you not know Jose Mangan from the Sirius XM? I don't. What? I don't know, man. You've, you've you you literally talk. How are you living under the rock, bro? And you're like I've you're never, you're moving. The you're planet the one around. asking me how the elusive thing happens. You're yeah. answering your own question in I real guess, time. I guess yeah. these aren't things I know. You just you stick to your small little world, and then I don't even have a world. I stick to my computer and make tunes. What are you making? Uh, all sorts of tunes, nice stuff. New like, head on producing a bunch so, yeah. of things. Yeah, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, a lot of things. Yeah, a bunch of rock things. That's not my favorite thing to do, but yeah. <laughs> a lot of different things. A lot of head automatica stuff trying to, you know, wrap Currently, up a bunch of that. We'll yeah. get to that. Huh. I want to keep going on the worship and tribute thing real quick. Okay. There's something I found out many, 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 many years after the record came out that blew my fucking mind. Okay. And we're talking about new metal. Oh, man. We're talking about this out of the other. I know you and, uh, you and Beck write a lot of the music for the most part, mm-hmm. for, the, for the project. Always. Were the drums written by you guys? Yeah, the drums are written to all of us. Nothing is ever written by anybody the, not in the band. I know Godsmack Drummer is the one that laid the... Yeah, there's never been anything, any, there's never been anything that him and I haven't written with the exception of maybe just a few notes ever. Interesting. Never. Seriously. Never anything. Wow. Okay, because I actually... For the record, there has never been a single thing that ever happened. On the, on the record? On anything okay. you'll ever hear from now until the end of eternity, gotcha. from now till back to 1993, with the exception of a few notes. Everything that was ever on those records that Justin and I put together, yes. Was it always that? Yes. Was that the always idea? That like when you were the drum, well, it wasn't that that was the idea. I mean, we like just you met just, and that you was and it. You and were just going to like rock it and just have like people play, whatever? No, you don't think like that when you're 12. <laughs> we just liked hardcore. Yeah. I just wanted to play hardcore and we didn't know a lot of people. So we just played together. And then it just got to be that we were playing all the instruments when we were young in his garage. Gotcha. And then eventually play in a band. But never thought that it was... I didn't think that it was ever going to change members. But it kept changing members and it never stopped changing members. Was it... And I asked because I also had a band where I was like... With my best friends I grew up with. But when one of them or two of them left and the group was still there, the core group was still there, still best friends for fucking 12 years or... 20 years it's very difficult for another person to come into that and like mesh really well is that something that happened no with you it was guys? really easy i thought i think that uh, no i think that we think things got easier at that point okay. you know you sort of just like realize you're the last two standing and i think that maybe what pushes people away over the years sometimes is that it's not their thing mm. you know you're young you do a hardcore band you do a lot of hardcore band with a lot of people that are your 
not just your peers, they're your equals on like a spiritual level, on a social level, like on a human level at 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. These, that, that age, there is no sort of hierarchy. There is no sort of like l- lines drawn. And, and in a punk band, there shouldn't be. Mm. We weren't fucking the Backstreet Boys and my dad manages it and we make each kid sign the contract. Like right. we're in Destiny's Child. That's not the reality of what this whole fucking thing was. It was a hardcore band with buddies who become brothers in a very adolescent time. Adolescent. Fully adolescent. Right, right. So you, the early years are... It's always very muddled with... But we were so... We felt like best friends. We just traveled the world in a van. And now I mean less to you. Like, no, you don't mean any less to me. But sometimes these factors just present themselves and it gets harder for other people in the band. Maybe, historically, Justin and I weren't the easiest people to work with when we were younger yeah. i don't know that's what I'm maybe saying, we you felt just, you, you get and we clicked we clicked together. and i think that regardless of if him and i got into an argument that had nothing to do with anything else mm. we still knew that that's him and i it's like a marriage then it really was always yes it's always that i mean it's even hard to say that now like i realize i feel these feelings like something in my head, soul is saying no don't really it's, don't say that that's almost like don't assume all of this you and him there was so many other characters involved that's yeah there was there very much was Manny as a bass player changed me and Justin's life Justin and I's life rather before we even started playing together Manny is a, a a rock and roll bass juggernaut like he changed what we were able to do he changed how we wrote bass he changed yeah. the so, the sound we could achieve he changed how we looked at writing music in general, not just his bass lines, prior to knowing him. It's we, huge. I don't, you can't, I'm not, you can't take those things away from anybody. And was he a friend? Was he a, a, a partner of mine? Way deeper than a friend of mine on the road. That man, he was yeah. my brother. It's, that's, things go deep. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's a lot of, you will realize people maybe, it's not theirs. And they maybe feel pushed away or they maybe feel that it's time for them to push themselves away. Or maybe they just don't enjoy it. Maybe a lot yeah. of people don't want to play somebody else's music, and like him and I can be neurotic about our music at times. <laughs> so then, what if you're being neurotic and it's not even yours? Right. You know, you sometimes are just—I don't know. It's the way. That's the way the music works. I'm not saying anything weird. It's just that I think that for a hardcore band to have gone this route, it's been 30 years. So <laughs> for a hardcore band to last that long, it doesn't always happen. No, it's the same. And for a hardcore band to have the second half of it be like. All right, so it's official at this point. Me and him are the last last two Indians, you know. It, it were the last yeah. two, and we'll do it like this. We'll be very open about the process, you know. You want to be devoted to it in the time that we do it. We're a team, and yeah. th- that's it. But it was us, yes. The drummer on the album is Shannon Larkin from Ugly Kid Joe. Yeah, yeah. and, yeah. and Godsmack. And Godsmack. Yeah. That's I mean, craziest, I'm that was the craziest part about far it. more familiar with Ugly Kid Joe, me personally, than Godsmack. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's a New York Godsmack. man too, right? I have no idea. Are I think he was from Buffalo. And that was another... No that just idea, sounded dude. like glam rock. Yeah. That's like an early 90s, late 80s band, right? Yeah. It was like 90s? Headbangers Ball. I'd be like, I'd sleep yeah. over it like 12 years old. And we'd be like, it's a fucking... The video where the guy flies the blow-up doll. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Well, I don't know if I'm glad or sad that he wasn't the uh, person who thought of those licks. Because I was like, all right, props. You know, I'm not a Godsmack fan. But I was like, if he's doing that shit... 
I got a problem. No, he didn't write those drum parts at all. That's good for me. Not even at all. Not even at all. So that makes it... The the magical bits, those drum bits, a lot of that. That's Justin at the time showing a lot of those things to Um, him. Yeah. Is it Derja? Deraja. Deraja. Yeah. So, I hate to harp on the drumming stuff, but, you know, his drumming style was also insane. And I guess because he had a, what, an open left-handed or whatever. He has like a weird... Sammy too. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, Sammy, who played on Worship and Tribute, on on um, Everything You Ever Ought to Know About Silence. Sammy from Youth of Today, Side by yeah. Side, Grill Biscuits, and every bit, Judge, <laughs> every insane. band ever, Shelter, Sam from every band, Siv. Sam played open, too. A very different style than Taraja. You can't right. even, the sounds are so... But I just remember, I remember watching those videos that you guys would put out, like, you know, you and the boys is playing with the white brick wall or whatever those yeah. those videos your haircut was very brit pop at that time uh yeah it was good that was time good and one. place time yeah. and place <laughs> a good one but i remember watching him drum and i'm like what the fuck and then i just i, I kind of thought because you know our color green is such it's not really a departure from worship and tribute but obviously there's a maturity level and like you say and manny influenced you guys to write bass different bass is way prevalent on you know everything after worship and tribute more so i think well, I think the things are that are more prevalent are the things that we always, as children, wanted to be the sound. You know, you lose those first. I mean, like, it's really hard to disparage those records because without those two records, I don't even think I'd be making music professionally or sitting here with you or yeah. I wouldn't even know or be this person. My life would be quite different. But I think those records sound like utter shit. And I think that just like the. The sounds on them are shit. I think that they just, the mix is bizarre. Nothing. It's well, to clarify, you're talking about everything baffling. in worship? I mean, yeah, those are two very okay. old records that have a very tiny, bizarre sound to me. So I think if you're attached to the record as a listener, I get it. I get it. You know, it's, that's how listening and appreciating music works, right? That's, that's the goggles you see it through, and that's the, the, you know, the ears you hear it through. I hear records that have a certain sound that... I'm sure the artists don't look back on fondly, and I think that that's the most magical moment they spewed forth in their yeah. in their catalog. But I mean, I, I look at those records as like I don't think the performances were the best performances. I don't think I sound good. Oh my god, you're gonna like it. you're gonna I don't know throw people for a loop saying that. No, I just well that's just me. I you know I, we did it. Me and him, me and Justin made it. You know, so it's I think we look back at it maybe a different way. He's probably more Justin's probably a little bit more fond of those records than i am but i think we both look back at a lot of it as like this is you know snapshots of us at a very young age not fully being able to wrap our head around what we are hearing in our heads the him him and i together but really knowing what we hear we're hearing in our heads that's something i can give us credit for we wanted it was very focused what we wanted always we're very consistent in that so i think over the years back to what we're saying i think the things that are more exaggerated and louder and the things that occur more, the sort of the devices we use, the we just get you, know, you get more knowledgeable about that, stuff and we and know, and we're doing it. At yeah. that point, it was really hands-on us doing it, and we're pushing f- forward the elements to the band that gotcha. we yeah. always wanted to be there. You know, I just thought Daraja was like he's a monster. Well, he definitely is. But I he thought he was a driving force for writing monster. too in that album because I would assume, you know, Beck, you, whomever's laying drum track ideas down or you know however you do it whether it's through a fucking program on the computer or you guys play it or whatever uh when you're writing i just assumed that because of the way that he's able to react with the kit you know in a different way than a normal cross player would or normal traditional player would that that uh, opens the music up to just a different like different 
patterns, different grooves, I don't think different it per swings. Se- you know, I think, uh, and I don't mean this to sound weird. He's I like, think a lot of the things. Like my favorite drummer on a record. Oh, cool. I love the current. Cool. I love, yeah, cool. Love oh, current, that's amazing. Current lineup and everything no, too. Raj is but that was a phenomenal so drummer. Watching him play. It's a very distinct sound. Yeah, his body shape and his body <laughs> size and sort of that. It, it, it's just like his whole aura and this the way he is conveys through that plane yeah. and, it's and Chad is very animated and great as well yeah, yeah and I love watching uh, him Chad's too I've been very lucky I have been very lucky to yeah. play with very very gifted people I mean I I specifically play with four right now of the most talented people I could ever imagine certain people I play with at this moment in my life I am so fucking blessed to play with so I've always been way lucky to play with people light years more talented than myself mm. and Justin would say that the same way and he would he would even be more dramatic with it we we are very we're very lucky um yeah I mean and I, and I don't mean to say this in a weird way a lot of the assembling of these things we always Justin and I would always do behind closed doors in a lot of ways not hiding or get everyone away so that us we could do it it was more just like we grew up not musically trained not versed in that yeah. way so it was kind of this thing of like sit there not be embarrassed with each other cranking these ideas out having the ability to tell each other to go fuck each other like you know get mad yeah. get happy make it happen there's sort of never been any inhibitions we always just kind of crank it out and there's this aesthetic and sensibility that goes into how long the parts go what part should be have a, a whimsy to it is this bizarre almost obscure sounding part than this turnaround and we sit and think and I think we were never really trained enough at, at a younger age to sit and do it in a room with five other fucking people and then everybody wants to add something and then what if it's not on the same page you start mm-hmm. hurting feelings Yeah. so we always just kind of like circumvented that and would demo things or play them to each other and then like you know, I'd pick up a guitar Oh, I'd sit at the drums and badly play like a three-year-old, and he would play an idea. And he's just sitting there looking at the drums, and then he'd play an idea in a room, and that kind of just really that stayed as a, it stayed as a thing for a, a, a while. Awesome. Yeah, you know. But but when despite that, that getting even that getting regurgitated to wildly talented people mm-hmm. that influence us in our writing, once you have them playing it with you, it takes on a life of its own. That's yeah. that's real. You're seeing Manny's fingers that takes on a life of its own it's magical Daraj is magical mm. I haven't I haven't played with him in years at this point but you don't lose that you yeah know. I don't want to harp on Glashaw too much because I know you have other things that I want to dabble in but I've only done a couple of things in my life yeah, you yeah. can talk about whatever you'd like but last two things and I'm going to miss out on like talking anything about coloring book or material control but you could talk about as long whatever you we'll, need we'll get to that maybe at another time it's okay. but I want to give you some time to talk about your other projects too however one last thing about that error. Will we ever get our color green on CD? Oh yeah, our color green I on have CD. It, I have it on like I did manage to get one of the '93 box sets somehow that I got the our color green box set. Right. Not the GJ cutout. Right. But the full set. I managed to get one of the '93 custom fucking package. Oh cool. Thing. Uh, only because I randomly and again you're it's a cult. So one day randomly. 15-something years ago or whatnot, I'm on the internet, and Jesus Glue is available for purchase with the GJ cutout. And I was like, oh, cool. I just bought it. And then, obviously, I go back to try to buy, like, any other ones that may have possibly been out, or I may have gone at a later date, and then, like, oh, you know, Farmer's gone. 
fucking junkies is gone. And I'm like, what the fuck? How many, like, because again, this was years ago before you really, before I really clued in like how cult like and how like limited your guys are doing things. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like now, now I have one Jesus glue and you know, if I wanted to get any of the other ones, it's going to cost me like 600 bucks in total to get them off eBay or whatever. I'm sure you're aware of that. But uh, makes you feel any better. I don't own one of anything. Really? I've never owned a single piece of any of this vinyl. Never. I've never gotten one. I is don't Justin have one. the opposite? Oh, I'm sure he has every single thing, every yeah. piece He's of things. He's got one for you probably, too. Ever. <laughs> I don't think he does. But, you know, maybe in a few years, of, you know, at a certain point, maybe I'll get one down the line. I don't yeah. know. I, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But that's, you're, you are lucky because I don't think I'd be able to find them. Yeah. I definitely think I'm lucky. I can't I, afford them. Yeah, well. <laughs> I, I couldn't afford them now, by all means. That's why I don't have those. But, like, I remember, like, a couple of years ago, you know, I started logging shit on Disogs, Disogs or whatever you call it. And that's when I found out that I was like, oh, this is one of 93. Yeah. Because obviously 93 is a big fucking glass shell number. And I was like, holy fuck. And then I felt like now I got to do more. I got to get more crazy with the collection. So I've got a lot of fucking stupid glass straw stuff over the years, you know. That's very cool. Not, yeah, not no, stupid, I love that. Not stupid. But, no, it's stupid. It's all stupid. It's all stupid. It's fucking music, man. That's it what, is. You can't, nobody can lose sight of that. It is, man. I don't care how real the internet feels. I don't care how real it feels, how much it captivates Twitter you. Twitter is real. It's That's only real music. World, oh, I, Twitter I use real. Twitter a lot. Twitter is my, it's like my news feed. It's been for far over a decade. <laughs> I always thought it was like the the best way to like get this very constant stream of very intimate news and boy does it feel different in the last few since the yeah. since it's now no longer called that X. or whatever it's i am getting all sorts of things i have no interest in you yeah. know flying through my feed anything from it's oh, all over yeah, yeah I've it's seen people, disgusting you know I uh, one it. thing is a lot of people see people die a lot more now Oh, that's every 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And not even, like, on the news. It's just, like... Oh, no, it's just, like, random, yeah, yeah. Go, cartel video. Yeah, bullfight, cartel. Some kind of burnout porn, video. Everyone. Burnout videos, yeah. video game ads. Mobile game ads only. Things that are disguised to look like they might be in my feed. Yeah, I've gotten porn in... Uh, I've got a lot of porn in uh, Facebook and Instagram recently. Just, like, wildly out-in-the-open, brutal, hardcore-looking <laughs> gifts just flashing by as, like... And like a certification, like the blue check next to it. You're just like, <laughs> St. Your Grandma's Twitter. Yeah. Uh, no, I, uh, yeah, uh, as far as I would call it green, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. CD? I don't know what's going to happen. I have a CD in the future. I, like the I feel like a lot of the songs are sort of lost. Like that's that sort of middle child in there. I, I, what do you mean? I, although lost. we do play them. We do play those songs sometimes. I just feel like some of those songs feel like they aren't as... There's like newer things that get more attention when we well, play, and older it, things that get more attention. But then there's. I mean, you guys played Farmer you know, on Warp Tour. We did. That and was I mean, the like first. Then, then that was the had first to wait song. like a decade to get it on yeah. like a, an actual recording. Of. Yeah, that was the first song we ever played after the first two records. Yeah. yeah. Midwestern yeah. Stylings is that ever going to get in like a, a real a real release or what? Which the electronic one, the one that beat, the one that has like beats. No, well, there I was, was one that's like I've, a, I've a listened, rock one. No, right? I listened to the one that sounds like you were recorded in a room. Like on an acoustic guitar. That's the one oh, I was that's just probably with. me strumming the chords from when I wrote it. Oh. Yeah, that might be on, like, maybe somebody recorded it at their house. I don't know. That's probably just me singing to the yes. to maybe the chords that the song yeah. was when I wrote it. But there was original version was like a... It was just like me making a beat. But it was like in the late 90s. Maybe it was like 98 that I made the original. 
99 of it and it's like just really old you know trip hoppy breaks yeah. and whatnot i didn't know that and then me and justin sort of made it a Oh, no, wait, him and I might have played it, Justin and I might have played it at the Apple Store in Manhattan I don't, for the release a, of old. an iPhone about 20 years ago, for the release of something. Like, this is probably before the iPhone, actually. Yeah. Yes, yes, this is all coming back to me. I think the one you're hearing is one of two acoustic recordings of it. Maybe that one is Justin and I alone played it at the Apple Store in New York, like, fucking 20 years ago. Probably 21 years ago probably in 2002 within a week from the ending of the warp tour that year and i think we played it that day and that was probably just the basic chords that were the original song yeah mm. then later on in history fast forward a few years him and i tried to record it as a modern glasgow sounding song but we never we never finished it but i remember it was cool mm. we were using the chords sort of like the, the song itself and i think justin wrote Justin had some a, a very a far out drum loop that kind of like yeah yeah I'm vaguely remembering some of it we tried I don't know it's still there somewhere yeah, yeah I know you guys like like to keep it and sit on it for 10, 15, 20 years oh there's licks there's licks that show up in songs yeah. literally that we we've referenced from 1994 they'll be yeah. like yo use the funny the turnaround the stars is from 1995 yeah, then came back in 96 and then, so I see why you think yeah. that that album's lost a little bit because it's older to you really. Yeah, those very old. Yeah, the material is very older. That's my favorite. Yeah, very of, old. of all the stuff. Our color green. Yeah, I think that that's a, It's kind of a cool. It's cool in a way because it's sort of this middle ground of like sounds very a little cool. bit like yeah. before we knew how to really start taking it up a notch, and then there's a little bit of when we started taking it up a notch, you know. <laughs> and then it's also the first thing that was sort of like, all right, get these fucking ten thousand dollar a day studio cats like the fuck out of here and. Yeah. The A and R guys, like that was like the first kind of time that you know you're just hearing this brutal basement studio real recording of us doing our thing with a little bit of the old us and a little bit of us getting a little older at that moment. But yeah, that's a cool, that's a cool time. Yeah, I'm gonna move on to H A. Is that cool? Yeah, of course. Who's Christian Palco and why is it why is he legendary? He's the he's a rapper named Cage. Okay, he's a rapper named Cage, a legendary underground rapper named gotcha. Cage. Um, I, I, Cage is familiar. Yeah, Cage. I didn't know that Christian, Christian Falco was Cage. Yeah. So that makes a little sense. Cage uh, heavily inspired Eminem yeah. to be Eminem. Yeah, and uh, he was supposed to be on that record. Mm. He was supposed to be on the first two Head Automatic records in some small capacity, uh, doing something funny or rap. We're trying to get it with Dan. Like something. Dan it up. I don't know. Oh no, Dan he was my it. man. It, oh, okay. Cage is my dude. Oh, okay. He's a New York, a very real New York. New York City cat, upstate and New York City cat. He's legend. He's a fucking legend. And yeah, and he was just supposed to be on him. So at a certain point, I think I just got him doing a voicemail on the first record. <laughs> yeah. He closes the record. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, one of them, I just, I, I reference him by saying his name. Yeah. Yeah, he was a big part of my life at that time. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yes. I, that's K Horse is one of my favorite Head Automatica songs. That's yeah. Probably never yeah. will be played live, but you know. I'd like to. I think that that one was on. I, was really I think I was on to something. Yes. With it, and I think that once again, that was maybe I was too. It was too early on for me to really uh, to pull it off. But I think that that you know I may want I may rework some of that. Yeah. I, I do enjoy that song a lot. Yeah, it's a druggy one. It was not good. Fucking day. I uh, mean, not that not that I don't enjoy it because the druggy one, but yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. you know, I do partake in some. Yeah, but, of course, you know, of course, time I, and place. I definitely of love that because the it's just like it's a different. It's so different. It sticks out on the record. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but <clears throat> new head automatica in the works. I'm assuming, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, what I'd like to talk about before we get into that, I know you have a third record that's like shelved. 
yeah. permanently, right? Uh, I know that you had some kind of like dub-styled influence on on that record, or on some of the earlier Head on a Mac records that didn't yeah. make it to press or make it to the yeah, full album. Was dub, yeah, dub throughout, in and out, here and there. So my question is, geometry. Yeah, wow, how do you even know about that? I'm fucking plugged in, dog. Yeah. Is geometry like a pref a, like a preface to Head on a Because that is also dubby, too. I think geometry was kind of during that time. Those dudes, yeah, I didn't write any any of the music for that. Those guys were guys that were in the band J Majesty. Mm. J Majesty was a band on some records, which was uh, Matt Pincus from Judge, Wally wow. from Quicksand, wow. and GB and Youth Today and everything, and Sammy. And they had that label, and on some records was a band J Majesty, Far Out, indie sort of band older dudes dudes that were like my age and older a little older than me so they were plugged in a little bit older smart got a little psychedelic I'll say that and uh, yeah those guys they you know taught me a bunch in the time I had spent with around some of them I what lived, years are know. these this is so this long this is like ago. 99 to probably Geometry 2003 4 in that area in 3 maybe two, 99 2003 this time period certain these guys were in my life a little bit and uh yeah, I started making music with a bunch of them. Uh, the band J Majesty was actually, I, a bunch of their shit was phenomenal. They had some really phenomenal, weirdo, sort of DC-ish indie stuff happening. The singer Spanky Van Dyke was very far out, amazing, bugged high, out, high. as some people would say, right? He was bugged the fuck out, man. He was bugging. <laughs> hey, yo, I'm bugging out. No, he was, uh, yes, far out, far out singer. He had a good sense of being odd. And he was almost like, um, Perry Perry Farrell sort of thing mm. he would do. I thought the band was fucking amazing. I really I dug them a lot. Got close with a bunch of them. Played with a bunch of these dudes in that circle, and it was just became geometry. It was a lot of dub stuff. That Jim Kimball, Jim Jim, Home G is what he's referred to as. Home G wrote a lot of the stuff, a lot of the bass lines. He's the great dub bass player. Played in a dub bands in, in in the city at that point. That was killing it. The Lion Dub? I forget the name. I can't remember the name. Forgive me if I'm fucking up names. But played with those dudes. It was wild, sort of nouveau hippie yeah. uh, Manhattan guys that were all like waiters, at, like, you know, rad little restaurants <laughs> in the village. And then, like, just all the like far out psychedelic like showing up at a basement. And I'm, ta yeah. I'm younger than them, taking a train in from, you know, Long Island to like rehearse with these far out stony dudes <laughs> that were doing this very far out indie dubby shit yeah played like two sh two three shows i remember well i know that, that's where i probably heard yeah. there's a recording of like four or five songs right yeah. live that's yeah somewhere. there is a record yeah there is recordings we did some actual recordings i think I and then know. there was a live show i believe that had a decent soundboard recording yeah that was some far out shit yeah we played some shows i think one or two of them was with walter shows you up interesting well one of his bands at the time with walking concert and maybe rival schools i don't know rival school, yeah, it yeah. was a very incestuous time those at exact time in uh the lower east side and in the east village in new york seemed and Brooklyn, those are very uh, million guys that all worked at the same restaurants yeah. and uh, all Everyone's a making music. Everybody knew Walter and Sammy. There's lots of those guys. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so it didn't really have. Did it have any kind of influence on what Head Automatica, Head Automatica would be? I, don't know, I think it was just more that I, at that point in time, I was I playing I anything that was not yeah. heavy music, and I think that my life was just steering in a different direction musically, probably. 
Yeah, so I don't know if it influenced it. I think that, like, I was just moving around a lot at that point, musically, maybe. Can I ask you a question and you be honest with me about it? Yeah. Do you hate Beating Hearts, baby? No. You don't? No, I love that okay. song. I don't know, because it's so popular. No. It's, like, wildly popular. No, I, I just assume that, you know, like, you probably no. hate singing it or because you no. hear it so much now. It's so, like... Well, no, I mean, I know it, it's transcended Head Automatica. Yeah. Oh, it's a great song. Yeah. I'm so proud I of that. I agree. I just was curious. No, as if you that song changed it. my life. Play I never, it. you know, I didn't, I was already not very young at that point. So to have seen such, such an impact from just the, you know, song. I, I, I love pop music. And I wrote, and that's the one song I wrote with my other oldest friend, Craig, from Head Automatica, from up the block from my house. Oh, we, cool. we all, we've all known it. Justin, Craig, me. Todd, we all we've all from the same, the same very small place. So we've all known each other a very long time. And so to, to know Craig since he was ten, ten years old, he's younger than me. And so mm. we, you know, we grow up, and I have him be in the van with me, <laughs> and we're on a road trip, just me and him driving the van across the country to fucking for me to show up for mixing the first Head Automatica record. And we're in the car, and it's his first trip being with me. And I'm like, all right, well, you're in the van, let's fucking go. Let's <laughs> drive this van back across the country, and we stop, get high. <laughs> in a fucking parking lot one night, and we're just sitting there, and uh, he just says, I got these two chords, and he strums the verse. And I said, show me the chords. And then I played the chorus in real time, and then started singing over the whole thing, and just sitting in the van, we were laughing. I took out a tape recorder, mm-hmm. recorded it, we showed up the next day in LA, and the A&R guy was like, oh, you, that's, that's it, you're recording it tomorrow with Howard Benson. Wow. And I was like, yeah, whatever, man. I don't give a fuck. I sure, guess things like yeah, that man. come together very easily. In the most, I mean, that's in the like always the storyline. And it was the last song. You know, yeah. Tears for what is it? To everybody wants to rule the world. Who's added the day we mastered the record? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or like fucking, you know, you always hear that. But that, I mean, that was it. That was the story. And I'm, I'm so proud of that moment in my life. Of course. Yeah. I, again, I grew up on pop. Ask, it's like, you know? I know. Pop is so did. important. Pop was more important than metal. Yeah. Pop, pop. And, I, you know, people hear pop. If you're young and you hear the words pop, it's not what you think pop is. Pop is pop, and there's nothing ever wrong with pop. It wasn't as big. There's nothing nothing wrong with pop music. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't as big in the 80s. It wasn't as mainstream. It was a different kind of, I mean pop in a sort of an older sense of, yes, late 70s, early 80s, mid 80s, late 80s, traipsing into the beginning of the 90s. They started, 90s, that's the record, they and our people and the record labels started figuring out. Mid 90s. Mid 90s in England, I cut it. I think anything after mid 90s in the UK doesn't really suit me. I feel like they could figure it out that they could could really make some money on that stuff and they started putting a lot more money. But that's all smart, but that's all smart pop. That's all under the umbrella of, you know, you go back from from 1976 to like 1996. I consider all of that in there really smart pop. Typically almost every fucking thing in there I'm cool with, whether it's fucking... You know, Milli Vanilli to <laughs> any of it that falls in there. That's all really, that's really production-based quality shit a lot of the times. Yeah. And so I, I love pop. I was raised on British pop music, you Same. know, punky, new wave, post-punk, British pop music, the British Invasion. I was raised on it. So Beating Heart Baby is that. It was supposed to be that. That moment in my life, I was really trying to do nothing but that. It felt amazing. I'm so proud of that. Yeah. All right. Is cool. it funny? Is it, you know, is the video have a lot of zappy, zippy fucking neon lights and stuff? I mean, yeah, I can't. But the uh, whole album does. You know? Yeah, but the cover of the album is like that. Uh, yeah. You know, I didn't pick those, fu- you know, I don't <laughs> pick the colors. I don't pick a lot of the aesthetic. It's, it, this looks amazing. Can we approve this edit and move forward? Mm. And I'm 22, 23. Yeah. A lot of things in your past get coded in this sort of, when you agree to work with a, the higher authority and you signed, you know, you, there's, a, there's a little bit of them not even listening to you or seeing you in the room. Yeah, I got So you. believe it or not, no matter what anybody's going to tell you, there's a lot of shit that will slip through that it will be unsavory that you will look back on. 
the song itself, break down the song, what the chords are, my vocal, the way it was executed on the recording. When I played the bass, I thought that was those were silly, <laughs> funny, fun bass lines that kind of did the thing. I thought the drumming was what it was supposed to be. And Larry, who was the drummer at the time, he's the greatest backup vocalist I've ever heard in my life. All those vocals are him, spot on, one take, never fucked it up. Oh, cool. It was just a magical sort of thing. I have no, I have no shame in pop music. You yeah, know? Never, much, never. much like you, uh, I'm not an only child. I'm the oldest, and I have two younger sisters, so they're not listening to anything I'm listening to. You know what I mean? But uh, much like you, I had a, a younger uncle who is relatively like a twenty-something-year-older brother when I'm born. You know what I mean? So he, those guys are important, right? Because I didn't have like I didn't have anyone showing me stuff nah, other yeah. than him. I had my on. dad, but I had, I had my father. That was who I. Had. I mean, yeah, I listened to what my dad was listening to in the car and stuff like that, but it didn't really click with me because I guess my uncle's a couple years younger than like my mom or my dad, and so he seemed you know a little more rebellious and and I remember him so. Oh, like, I have before he's married too. and shit. And my mother's brother is the same uncle. Yeah, so he would give me mixtapes of like weird rap and pop music in the early '90s, late '80s, and. You know, that's kind of how I, I guess I started getting a taste for, like, not what's on VH1 or MTV or BET mm-hmm. or anything like that, or the radio, per se. And then, um, yeah, I, I mean, I do credit him for, like, ruining my life, you know, to where I just become obsessed with, like, music and everything yeah. like that. Because oh, you fall my, down a rabbit hole. That was my father and my mother's brother. That's it. At a very young age. They are important. Oh, man. Boxes. Even though they might not be all there mentally sometimes, you know, they're important. Well, that's funny. You say that. That's literally the exact situation. It takes those guys. Yeah, he's a crazier dude. He still is is. a crazier dude. No, my mother's brother. He's that guy. Far out dude. Still in a band. Um, My type of mindset, man. I'm three years old and he's playing me Sabbath, like hiding me in like his bedroom. I'm waiting. I have have nephews. And they they, they have a look. I have nephews, right? And my sister, they, they have different beliefs than I do as far as life in general. And I'm just waiting for when I should be that guy, right? So you shove he's some like, records he's right 10, there, ass. Right? He's 10 right now. Yeah. Like, can I really ruin his life? And get him an age of quarrel and crack it yeah, over his fucking head. crazy. I mean, <sighs> he does like, uh, his dad does listen to older rock. Like, so he's like Iron Man when Iron Man came cool. out. Yeah. Black Sabbath guy. Yeah, he loves yeah, Black yeah. Sabbath and Led Zeppelin. That was my like, star, too. Sabbath and Zeppelin. Yeah, that's what does it. Fucking, you know, yeah. You know. Be like, you dig Sabbath? You're really going to fucking dig the inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Let me blow your mind, but don't show your parents. Check out Worm Rot. Yeah, don't show your parents. And if you, they're going to know where you got it from. You know what I mean? Oh, the parents always do. My mother, my didn't. father was, my dad was always like, the fuck is he playing you? Yeah. And I'd be like, it's that, that fucking Sabbath. <laughs> you know. Don't play like you don't know. His tits on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, New Head Automatica. Is it the third album? Gone. It's never going to see light of day or anything like that, right? Yeah, I'm kind of happy about it. I just answered this question the other day. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. You look back. Hey, there's a lot of things in your professional life. If you can go back 20 years and have one not have happened, if it wouldn't have hurt you to not happen. I think in retrospect, I think I could do way better at this point. I'm happy it didn't come out. I don't care. That's dope. That's so it's a new record, though. Yeah. What made you... What? Because I know that um, you sporadically do press and media so there's not a lot of fucking information out there all the time but i do know at some point many years ago you were like yeah that had automatic as time has passed on or yeah turned page or something like that what made you i don't know you just furnace fest is barking up your tree i mean i had for a while been getting a lot of offers it was more me just being like intimidated by the idea of how to take it on Mm. it's been a lot of years since me taking on a it's not a solo project by any stretch of the imagination, but it is, it's me and it's the weight is on me and I have to wake up and do it. And it's the buck stops with me. And that's like when, when you're sort of 
I have a manager. He's phenomenal. Man is with me at all times doing, you know, assisting me in a lot of things that I'm not, I don't do or I don't have the time to do uh, in this part of my life. But to like, it's a lot. It's just a lot to take on waking up one day and being like, I didn't revisit that for 15 years. If I was to do it and start tomorrow, what would I do? It's just a lot. You know, I'm a dad. I have a million yeah. things going on. And it, it was, it's a lot to think that it was going to be financially worth the year it could take to get the whole fucking thing together, you know? And then I would have to reinvent sonically a lot of these things that I think that I now know how to execute production-wise. I've just learned so much and like that's almost was a, it's stressful to know what you've learned because now you know that nothing is easy again now I now I, that, at that certain point I knew okay good making a song doesn't take 20 minutes to just kind of piece together the chords and the, the you know the scheme now I think of a song as a way more daunting process because a lot of the things I do are so deeply production laden that it's like alright it's a lot so when I, I guess it's just when it clicked in my head the sound how to approach it and like seeing the band like seeing it feeling it what's the concert like what's what is it what is the end product like I, you don't go into something like getting getting this project off the ground again after fucking over 15 years without at least seeing you know like this vague semblance of like yeah. I kind of see the ending yeah I see the ending enough that I can get it there like I can I hear what it'll sound like enough and I, and I did and one day it just made sense also working with a gentleman who's my manager is just the things I don't do, the things that I, when I do them, it takes away from everything else in my life and doesn't allow me to be creative, to have somebody that it's really, I, I work in tandem really well with. He allowed me to see how easily this could be done if I do what I need to do. Cool. Yeah. So I did my job and I'm still doing it, keeping my head down and doing it and trying to, you know, make it happen. Ironing out the fourth, third asterisk record? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it'll be a full record. I mean, it could be. I'm going to see how fast I can make it happen. But I would definitely like to start. Well, we know you don't like timelines, so. No. Could be now or fucking 10 years I from now. I can do a timeline, <laughs> but I'll tell you this. You want the best me? Yeah. It, you don't give me a timeline, per se. Don't be too stringent. Uh, but if you want the best me, you don't put a gun to my head. Otherwise, you'll get a more neurotic me. You'll get it. But it might not. It'll be a little neurotic. You don't want to inhibit the inhibit the little I have to work with. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have much left. You know, it's been a long. It's how been was long it? Time. How was it coming back to the stage with that with that project? Amazing. Yeah. Fucking amazing. Reception yeah. good. All that stuff. Yeah, the reception has been amazing. Like we only yeah. saw you at the Furnace Fest one. So. Oh right. Again, no no one really likes to come down to Florida that often. They go to like Atlanta and they go they move on. You know what I mean? Which is understandable. It's a trek. To come down to like Miami or anywhere down here, it's fucking hours. I wouldn't you know? drive anywhere to see me. Well, I wouldn't drive anywhere to see hardly anybody except my own fucking mother and my child. That said, to see something like me, you're you wouldn't see you're a, a good man. You wouldn't uh, see a band? Come on, you don't have a band? Who? Depeche Mode? Yeah, I'll go see Depeche Mode. There you who? Go. who else? Dweezil Zappa Black playing. Sabbath? Zappa? Oh, yeah. No, Zappa. no, I will not drive to see Ozzy. I won't even get it on fucking paper. My uncle also should see Zappa too. That was yes, my yeah, uncle. I know, I know. That's began why. the whole thing. Yeah. Zap, Zappa, Sabbath, Zeppelin, Floyd. That like kicked it all off, yeah, right off. Right off, yeah. that's like three, four years Our old. Should probably hang out. They are probably in the same. They like should start a biker gang. They should go to the same dive bar. Dude. Yeah, yeah. My fucking uncle decided he's uncle. like sixty years old, and he was like, "Fucking, I've never had a motorcycle." He had a motorcycle, and he was like eighteen, twenty. About now is Let's a good time to get another one. Yeah, I'm he's feeling got a young. Shit. Yep. Tell him to pierce his ear. I love this guy. <laughs> no tattoos. No piercings. I love that. It's also Canadian. 
Hey. Yeah. So we're, I'm half Canadian. My mom's side of the family is all from uh, Quebec, right hockey? outside of Gatineau. A game of hockey, eh? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, I asked you if you're a hockey fan. I love. I do love hockey. I just don't know anything right, about okay. sports at this point. What in about my poutine? Life. You big poutine guy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, recipe. I like. I got that. a recipe for you, I, big guy. I, I like that way more than I like sports. Yeah. Poutine is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oof. Of course. Every we're time getting, you tell we're, we're getting off. We're no, getting we're off not. No, now. this is the topic. If when, whenever you mention poutine to an American, if they don't know what it is, their first reply is like they're just like. And not only that, and they're, like, the e- they're eating shit poutine if they're eating it down here. They usually oh. throw some other shit in it. Poutine in America, you'll never find one that isn't some boutique bullshit. Exactly. It's like this cute little dish with like a fucking fried egg on like this little piece of short. Like, why is I don't want that. I, don't I mean, there are there are meats in some poutines up there, but like when you go to like every other mom and pop. Like burger place, and or, just piles of like sausage on it, and yeah. I'm like, that is the most American Canadian dish I've ever fucking. <laughs> just want seen. the meat, cheese, and gravy. Yeah, just not. give me the, the fries, food. cheese, and gravy. You could, yeah, fries and gravy, and it's just such a wildly brilliant concept. I didn't think I'd be talking about poutine with you today, brother. Why? I don't know. Oh, I'm only human. I know, but a lot human. of people don't know about that shit. Oh, I do love. It. I'm a food guy. Yeah, can you eat poutine? I feel like I'm not supposed to eat poutine. Yeah, I'm probably not supposed to eat it, but fuck, who's supposed to be eating cheese curds and gravy anyway? <laughs> That's why you have to get them from upstate. We just, I just got some from uh, my girl's family just went back home, which is upstate New York, brought home some cheese curds. Oh, so you know wow. I made like a big giant fucking thing of uh, poutine. That is I was on the toilet for a long dish. time after it's that. a heavy but, dish. You know what I'm saying? It was rough. You'll feel it. That's a heavy dish. Yeah. I made the gravy from scratch, which is probably not a good oh. idea because it's like fucking really churning the Oh, the, that's the a BGs. treat, though. What a oh, good, it was good. It was so good meal, man. What is other Canadian food that I'm forgetting that I might like? My mom used to make a lot of shepherd's pie, but that's not necessarily I love Canadian. that. I, I, British, I thought. Yeah, like Ireland. I always have it in England somehow. Yeah. I don't know if there's really that much beaver tail. No. Is like that the, actual beaver tail? No. <laughs> oh, no. It's like fried no. dough with like maple syrup on it. Oh, like cool. Like M&M's no. or some shit. Just oh, that sounds made good. made to no. look like a beaver's tail. No, 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 no. Eat, no. I don't think it's edible. Beaver's tail is edible, I, I've heard, but not delicious. Oh, I would, yeah, I would eat. Real I beaver I would try tail. anything once. I would fuck it. <laughs> I would try anything once. That's a sound bite. I feel like I really have tried anything once. and uh, Yeah. All right, where are we at? Graffiti? Yeah, sure. You want to get into that? Yeah. We're like right down the block from Wynwood, which, by the way, I don't know if you've clued in, but we're in the hotel lobby in Miami here right now because the room isn't ready until 4 o'clock in the fucking it's fancy. afternoon. It's fancy. Lamb Goat does nothing, uh, nothing less. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Fucking I do. <laughs> this, this is, is beautiful. <laughs> this is totally beautiful. I had a neat, I, well, you know, ideally I was like working because I don't have a studio down here. None of the people that I hit up were available because I know people that have like uh, places, but they're also not in Miami. South Florida, so, you know, West Palm, Fort Lauderdale, all that other shit. So I was like, where can I get, like, a suite with multiple rooms and blah, blah, blah. So I got one. Is it cheap-ish? Cheap-ish, I guess. But, you know, not uh, not ready either way, so it doesn't oh. matter. It'll be cool tonight, though. I'll be by myself since Jay's flying home. Oh, yeah, you're here overnight because you have an engagement. Microphone, microphone. I'm sorry. I, I'm here. I'm. I'm not used I'll to holding wrangle, it. I'll wrangle it. You, you think know? I'm like a guy that holds a microphone? The only time I hold a microphone is when you see me hold a microphone. Oh, yeah. There oh, is yeah. no microphone holding in my everyday life. Uh, yeah. All right. You got to go home. So you're just chilling alone here tonight. Yeah, I'll be here alone. Uh, so if you're DJing tonight, you know, holler at me. Oh, I wish that would be fucking great. Oh, I do have my child. I have my child with me. I don't think I'd be able to take him out. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, so yeah. Back to graffiti. Yeah. You grew up in. Uh, 
almost like one of the graffiti capitals of the world, and yeah. then you move to another one, man. Yeah, it's crazy around here, and I, I really do. Uh, that's something I've always loved from even like watching TV in the '80s, just like because you know New York was fucking plastered in the '80s. Yeah, like, of course, it's a problem. Oh, it's, it's life. A problem. It's your life. Well, you know, it's yeah. our life. It was our life in the '80s. And you know, the 90s. It was our life. It's your life in New York. It doesn't fucking matter if Giuliani existed or not, that fucking asshole. I've got fucking pay, pins in the car right now. Yeah, boy. You got stickers? You got some UPS stickers? No, I don't. Have, yeah, I do have. You got I some don't have crank? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do have crank. Dude. I know you Fuck. do. I know you do. In the car, waiting. We're going to win one after this, bro. <laughs> You're itching. You're yeah. itching. Yeah. I see it. Your face. You, you ever get... been to 404 Connect down here? No, it's sad. Oh, my God. Okay. I got to show you a couple things, though. Was it a graph shop? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, like dope. the graph shop. Oh, cool. Yeah. No, I've never really gone to any cool stores or anything, but I mean, it's just like secret graffiti. It's just, just wildly abundant. Here. And you guys down here, not you guys, but like Miami's got a bunch of like uh, Katamako and AWOL and all those other guys. Oh, yeah, yeah like I see AWOL bigger. shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, that's huge. We AWOL, have an AWOL huge. piece at, uh, in Jack's too on like some fucking storage, oh, you know, like a cool. uh, self storage thing. All legal stuff? Yeah, oh. like they commission people and like. Yeah, so Winwood just looks completely commissioned. It's nuts. Every wall looks commissioned. Straight. Oh, I mean, no, at Winwood looks it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It just looks covered. like the whole fucking area is commissioned yeah. by like. Giant. Do you dude. hit? Do you like go up in the middle of the night? And no, stuff? not in a very long time. No. You got a kid now, dog. Yeah, yeah. And I also have. Uh, if I go, if I ever get in trouble for, well, I'm old as fuck, and if I ever get in trouble for anything, then I don't make money. Yeah, it's true. It's true. As soon as you have to, as soon leave as making to, money is an optional. Yeah, yeah. If, if making money is like not optional anymore, then like staying out of jail is closer to the top of my list of priorities. <laughs> where does uh, where does Daryl's persona and voice come from? I don't know. It's records I was brought up on. Do you perform uh, as anybody, like, in your head? Or, like, your vocals? Oh, I mean, like, that's always... I mean, I, I'm very childish in that I'm... Oh, always the same guy. It's always the same things. I'm, I'm always thinking about HR, Bad Brains. I mm-hmm. mean, he's, I think he's the best. I mean, the best, like, energetic front men of all times. I mean, it's like James Brown and HR. I'm like Prince. Like, you don't outdo that. Yeah, like Freddie Mercury. Like, guys like that with their persona. That's like, the hardcore version of that? Oh, well, HR... Straight up in every capacity, fashion, uh, you know, his, his, you know, his fucking thousand yard stare, being, being completely unhinged and mentally probably highly unstable, mm-hmm. being nuts, going fucking ballistic on stage, a little bit of confrontational violence with the audience, all those things are really huge to me, and yeah. the fact that he sang, like, this sort of golden era. Nice, you know, nineteen sixty nine dub voice, which was this very. Yeah. Jimmy Cliff crooner crooning sort of thing. I think that the crooning element to HR really appear, appealed to me because I, I'm very drawn towards crooning British music too. It just all kind of, it all comes together. It, 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 there's a, obviously HR is a very gifted vocalist outside of punk in the beginning for him and I think he connected with a lot of pop music probably did a lot of amazing dub reggae covers of pop music like a lot of reggae probably does mm-hmm. in the beginning yeah yeah his voice is just angelic while also being maniacal and that scream is sort of the definition of just like this primal yeah. fucking mental you know, this craziness that's a band I got back into recently in the last couple of years Bad yeah. Brains yeah. no I don't get out it's just one of those bands they've that's just, a band, that's just a, yeah. again no one showed me anything so these are bands i'm having to find on my own much later yeah yeah. and i'm not saying i just found out about well, it's a different them, time period but yeah they've always been like a band that you've always heard about and you know you hear a couple songs here or there they, they had a song on like guitar hero when i was younger too cool 
you know wow. so like i i knew about them it's just i never really spent a lot of time listening to like full records then you do and then of course i'm like oh there's a lot of callbacks from you're doing a lot of callbacks and uh, your stuff yeah, to them so you know I'm he like, was huge oh, to me that's i where mean it comes it, from. in the beginning it's hard to make yourself as a child 11 12 13 you can't really figure out how to I remember when I was really young and some of the first times I ever sang into a microphone in Justin's house when I was like 12, I remember singing to myself like the way I would sing and try to be hard, but like sing a note a little bit. Like I've never did it. And I remember specifically like possibly the first time I ever sang into a microphone over us playing music in a house at that age. And I remember being like, I sound like James Hetfield. <laughs> and it was like crushing for me. Because did you, then, did you, or did you just thought you said? No, it? I think at that that time when I picked it up was probably like, yeah. I'm thinking that that's what you do. Like that, I'm seriously saying the first time ever doing it into a microphone that's in so my different. life. That's so different than what you are. It's so different, and it's crushing because there was not was never. I love Metallica. That was never something I thought <laughs> I was. I did not want that. I don't sound like him. No, I wanted to sound like guys I like. You know, that's HR hilarious. and. Glenn Tilbrook, the singer of Squeeze, and Paul McCartney, and those things, those things stuck with me. British, yeah. British music. So yeah. I do want to sing, sing. So no matter how heavy shit always got, I think I always held back the heaviness because I, I sing. I, that's just what I do. I don't even think about it. But those are the guys that influenced me. Heavy guys. My good friend George, who was the singer of Mind Over Matter, Long Island hardcore band, legendary Long Island hardcore band where we're from. Yeah. Probably nothing shaped us as hard as that. Justin and I as that band. Cool. They're our good friends. You know, now that we're older, growing up, they were a big brother band and they're gods. Gods. Yeah. The Mind Over Matter album, Auto Manipulation, I mean, that that album is like the blueprint for so much of what Justin and I ever yeah. wanted to do. Part of me is like always jealous about the fucking kids that grow up in New York, man. <sighs> hey, like, I'm jealous of start, the kids that know? got five years on me, you know. Well, like, you're, like, you're, you're jealous like, of kids that grew up in New York. I'm jealous of kids that grew up in New York even three years <laughs> older than me. I feel like the LCD sound system thing, I was there. That's like fucking. Yeah, that's cool stuff too, though. Oh, I know. I love LCD. That's very cool stuff. But like, obviously. That's Goldsworthy from Uncle. I mean, yeah. those dudes are, these are, that's a, he's a legend. Those are legends. That's important. One of those bands that come. That's that more important than Glass. Well, and come back. I'm not saying far it's not. more important than Glass. To me, Glass is more important than LCD sound system. <laughs> but in the grand scheme of things, I think you're right. That's some real shit. In the grand scheme of things, they are very yeah, yeah. important. But again, I Goldsworthy love, I love is a very. Too. Those are very important. James Murphy, those guys, those are dudes that kind of set. You don't have to know their names, but those do change the world he's in a far bigger way. He's probably listening to There's him. There's a good chance. He knows punk. He was yeah. a post-punk guy. Of course. He's he a was hip, there. He's a guy. He said yeah. all songs. He yeah, was there, Murphy, Goldsberry. Those dudes are geniuses. James Lavelle. Those guys, the original Uncle Crew, all those guys, those British yeah. cats, they invented forward-thinking electronic music. They were there for the inception of Moax Records, the inception of you know, Ford AD, XL, um, the inception of... Uh, the inception of Astral Works and, and mm. uh, Warp and all this shit. Those guys were there for like when Beats in 1993 also went into the future and got forward thinking production like that. Post punk from the late 70s, these dudes revisit it in a very special way. He's a tastemaker. Those guys are tastemakers. They I changed agree. the world. I agree. I'm, I'm no tastemaker. We were in a band that you're, may have influenced kind of, you people. Uh, but, you know. And I love that you downplay it because I think <laughs> you probably have to in your, in your head. But I think that you know that that you are elevated to a lot of people, and that the band is also elevated. But I know you have to downplay it. Uh, I mean, how can you not? That's cool. I mean, that's cool. That's nice. That's nice. That's, You've been that's doing nice. it for thirty fucking years, man. I 
When the Don Fury, when we gonna get a Don Fury re-release? I think that some of that could be cool. I was really proud of that at the time. Justin and I speak about it always. Yeah. We are always referencing well, how that to was buy very special. I don't fucking dollars or some shit, so I just would like to hear it. You know what Sucks. I mean? Those are better CD. versions of all of those songs. Yeah? The ones that made the albums, those are better versions. The Don Fury recordings. I think the world needs to hear. Yeah. I mean, how can they hear it? Well, don't pay money for it. Never pay money well, no, for anything. Well, put it on Spotify or something. Oh, I don't know if that's up to me, but... I'm sure that wait, also wait. is up to Don maybe a little bit, too. Maybe I, don't I think we may be talking about a little bit of something with that. It's been it's been, it's been brought up, but I was always very proud of those. I think because, I you know, it, it's I don't know if I've ever said it. I think Justin and I feel the same way. Oh, I know we feel the same fucking way because we did those songs, and we Justin and I personally drove in his car many days a week for over a year to compile those songs. And we personally sat together, me and him, making those songs so meticulously put together and so so airtight and short and focused and to the point and musical. And I think that all of those things, and Justin and I as a band, I think a lot of that was lost the moment the first record happened. And I think that that's mm. the representation we will forever be remembered by the most or that and the second record but I think that what was that snapshot of us that year leading up to that I think was probably the most focused of Glass Show on their youthful prime definitely and those only exist on those tapes yeah on the ones you I mean I'm now? sure there's masters at well, yeah, but like Don Fury's home publicly there's only a, whatever I don't even know what exists in the what exists in the internet but I mean it was uh, Major um, a Clash cover Train in Vain um, Flag Burning Dakota mm. um, that was on there uh, uh, Last Kiss which is what Rue with a View Room with a View Rai Rai's Song Pretty Lush it's like half the record Harlem the Motel the White Locust I believe uh, when one eight becomes two zeros, those were all songs that Justin and I put together. So Dakota's on Don Fury too. Flag burning Dakota. That is from that and nothing else. Yeah. You guys, is that part of our color too? No. So, yeah, that's another one that needs to fucking see the yeah. light of day. Midwestern. None that of one? those songs were ever recorded for real, except that and some of them. Yeah, man, I've been listening to shitty versions of those online. So you got or it's crazy. like through Soul Seek or something like that. You got to put it out on Spotify or Bandcamp. The only cover song we ever did front to back was that Clash cover. Nice. And we rewrote the music right before we tracked it, right on the spot. So it's just like a weird Clash sounding, very just weird breakdown of a s- slow, tribally, you know, old late 90s Clash type thing. But yeah. me doing this very maniacal, unhinged rendition of the, you know, say you stand by your But I'm not singing it by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Well, Daryl, I think I can cut you loose for today. No. You don't have to if you're ready. I know, it's I, know man, I know, but like, it's I been so nice. Forever, you're so kind. You know what I'm saying? And most of these episodes only have run about 60 to 90 minutes. Oh, then we get like a two-parter, then duh. Hey, you're only five, five hours away, brother. I will do this with you whenever you want. Um, this is very nice. I love this. I feel like uh, I was talking, I told Jay on the way down here, my, my life's culminated 40 years to this day, and I'm fucking sitting here with you all, all of a sudden. And like, that's something I never thought would happen. Yeah. You know, as a fan, as a fan Thanks. of the music and as a fan of the band for so long, like, I mean, we watched you guys at Furnace Fest from, like, Side Stage, and up to today, that was, like, a prime, prime time. Glass show, that, uh, the oh, one yeah. two years ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. The better one? 
But yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So um, that was a great. I mean, April Smell is my favorite song of all time, probably. Uh, that song means a lot to me, man. We can talk about it off camera. Yeah, song means okay, a cool. ton. You can talk about whatever you want, but yeah. All right. Well, Daryl, thank you very much, brother. It was great thank fucking you. doing this with you. I, we can do it any day of the week you want. I you will can do, do it stuff any day, you want. any day of the week you want. Let's do it. Do you want to do fucking articles or column? give me a column? I'll do it. Hey, I'll do we'll a, do it all day long. I'll brother. do a brutal slamming death metal column. I'll do a power violence column. I'll do a we'll power just do a electronics Corner, column. And then you can just say whatever. Yeah. All right, let's make that official. We'll make it happen. You do that, and I'll get you into every show for the rest of your life. No questions asked. You heard that. Including you, my brother. But you're going to have to show up with my dose. Yeah. And I don't medicine. mean any bad medicine. drugs. Yeah, I, mean the, I mean the kind that it'll take for me to continue living. Yeah, oddly enough, I think Jay and you share kind of like the, that partial we do. sicknesses. So that's kind we of We do. Cool. We do. We're already close Not cool, but cool, you know. Man, it's cool. Not cool. Well, you're in a cool, cool club. Not cool. You're in a cool club, but... All right, man. I appreciate your time. We'll cut it here. Thank this you. This has been an insane Thank fucking you. day. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.